Bienvenidos al podcast de Latino Founder Hour. Each week we invite you to spend an in-depth hour with us as we speak with a Latino startup founder from somewhere around the world. Aquí conocerás esas historias de éxito y fracasos, retos personales y lecciones aprendidas. And we have fun. We're live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Tune in at startupradionetwork.com. O en versión podcast después del show. Escucha. Listen. Aprende. Learn. Y emprende. Launch. Bienvenidos este viernes a Latino Founder Hour, episodio 77, 78 me parece. Y les saluda Edgar Navas, fundador de Clica. Y desde México, hoy no estoy en, en cabina con nuestra nuestra cojos Claudia y Silvia, que están en España, y a Lombo Soleil, pero les damos las gracias por eh, en sintonizarnos. Y hoy tenemos un invitado, un amigo eh, especial desde Nueva York, pero lo vamos a hacer en inglés. Así es que I'm switching to English right away. Uh, I want to welcome Derek Reyes, uh, who I'm, I, I got to tell you guys, I got to meet, I had to, the opportunity to meet him in person a couple of months ago in Portland. Because he flew in all the way from New York to an event that we organize called Pitch Latino every year. And not only he flew on his own dime for this modest competition, uh, because he's, he's the founder of Queerly Health in New York, but he won. And, you know, it, it's, it's an amazing, uh, you know, it's a privilege to have Derek. Derek, como estás? Happy to have you in the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm good. How are you? So... I, you know, before I, I start telling everyone, you know, who you are, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Because, uh, like, like I say, you know, uh, you know, I, I got the opportunity to meet you in person. You're a wonderful human. You're an amazing and true source of inspiration. And I'm going to tell yeah. you, uh, you know, why in a little second. But, uh, I mean, tell us a little bit about you. I mean, you were born in New York. Is that right? Yes. Uh, I was born in New York, native New Yorker, uh, first generation. My parents are from the Dominican Republic originally. Okay, from the DR. That that I didn't know because that's, I I wasn't sure we were Cuban, Puerto Rican, or DR. <laughs> so it's all right. And, and you know what? I I know. I don't know if you grew up in uh, in which borough. Uh, are you from the Bronx, Brooklyn? So originally from Manhattan, from the Washington Heights. Ah yes, yeah. The 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 Dominican sector. I love that area, man. <laughs> No, the people don't do it. Seriously, one of my um, every time I go to New York and Manhattan because we, we do business a lot in that sector. Uh, one of my and I was telling my parents yesterday, one of my most stops in New York at all times is the Rey del Mofongo. Oh yes, I love Mofongo. <laughs> <laughs> so Always. Yeah, and arroz con chivo. Yeah, it's, uh, I know that area pretty well. So, yeah. All right. So you grew up in Washington Heights, uh, you know, from Dominican parents, your first first generation already born in, uh, uh, in New York. And you went to NYU. Yes, I went to NYU for graduate school. Oh, OK. I thought you, you had gone for both. But no, that's that's pretty impressive. And it's uh, it's amazing. You know, uh, but, you know, I was just, I just wanted to ask you, you know, uh, because this is our first um, not our first LGBTQ I uh, guess you're like this, I think you're the third. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we, we want to share the experiences. We had an amazing woman. I think we connected you with Kat Perez uh, in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. Phenomenal. Yeah. I, I mean, she's just a spitfire. I love that. I mean, she's amazing. Mm-hmm. And she's doing, you know, great things. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we wanted to hear also, you know, what the perspective, you know, how is it, how was it growing up in a, in, in Washington Heights? Uh, and what led you to, you know, to become an entrepreneur? Thank you. Um, so I should say that I, I'm originally from the Washington Heights, and then when I was little, my family moved to New Jersey, like right across the river. So I've always been in the New York City, tri-state area, um, kind of going back and forth. And then after graduate school, I just sort of stayed here. Um, so I think I've been I've been very fortunate as someone who's both part of the LGBTQ community and um Latino, Latinx, and I use they, them pronouns, by the way, um, because, yeah, New York City is, like, this very, you know, it's kind of like the capital of the world, and there's all sorts of people here, and it's very inclusive. Mm -hmm. There's always, of course, you know, still going to be 
problems like homophobia is still real here transphobia is still real here but it's it's not the degree i'm gonna say to that it is in other parts of the world um um it's been an interesting ride growing up in this in this part of the world with in this body and with all of these identities that i have um because it's always been a, a mixed bag of things that have privileges that have protected me like you know i i'm latinx but at the same time i speak english i went to school here and i was born here i have citizenship here a very different story from what let's say is going on with other latinx people who are undocumented for example um and yeah. then with everything that's going on in the news recently especially um yesterday or the other day with that ice raid in Mississippi and then with the shooting in El Paso, like it's it's a very difficult time in this country right now for Latinx people. Um, and I am fortunately in a position where a lot of Latinx people in this country are, where it's like we have citizenship here. Um, if you're born here, you have citizenship here or you're, you're, you became a citizen at some point and we have to be the ones to really advocate and stick up for um, our undocumented siblings who don't have that privilege and are currently being targeted and attacked and yeah. um, and deported. Absolutely. No, no, no. I echo those sentiments because, yeah, it's been, uh, I mean, beyond tragic. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. <laughs> it, we call it difficult times. It's an understatement of the century, but Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's been pretty traumatic, uh, you know, for, for a lot of people. I mean, we, uh, and I think it hits, it hits us all. I mean, whether mm -hmm. we're, we're legal or, or whatever, you documented yeah. or undocumented, the, the term that they want to use, I mean, we're still human, uh, but again, different, <laughs> that, that, that's, uh, yeah, it, it, people like you bring inspiration, you know, to the rest of us. And that's what we're trying to do here. It's like, you know, you, you know, we all have our adversities, some more than others, but it's what we do, um, mm -hmm. what sets us apart. And, you know, you know, like you, you start to clearly help. Uh, mm -hmm. can, you, can, you give, you know, can you give us a pitch, that fabulous pitch that, that uh, has already won a couple of awards? <laughs> sure. So Queerly Health <laughs> is a digital health startup that's based out here in New York City. And what we're doing is we're leveraging digital health to bridge the gap between the LGBTQ community and safe, comprehensive, and culturally competent health and wellness providers. So for a lot of the LGBTQ community, it's really difficult for us to find health and wellness providers that A, will actually treat us instead of discriminating against us, and B, um, know how to treat us, because oftentimes LGBTQ health and wellness isn't covered in um, healthcare institutions of when they're training up these healthcare professionals. So that's sort of the the task at hand. Uh, we're we're using a marketplace online and vetting and training and telehealth to democratize that access out for LGBTQ people in this country. Okay, and, and your for the for uh, the people like. Um, the people like us that we don't understand what are the problems because again you know it, if we live in a bubble which sometimes we do whether mm -hmm. you're you know from an ethnicity or a gender I mean sometimes it's not you know sheer ignorance that that, that you know we don't know what's happening you know it's like oh my god there's some actual problem and I don't have mm -hmm. to live with it because I'm you know and I, I don't see it so, so what yeah. are the common problems that you've seen or experienced? Uh, and not only you, the community, said, like, uh, so, so we can understand, you're like, okay, oh, there's a real problem here. And is, why should I be informed and why should I care? Yeah. So the, we experience uh, the LGBTQ community. We, 50% of us, over 50% of us experience discrimination in healthcare settings. In this country, um, if you can believe that's still happening, we're almost wow. in the, yeah, we're almost in the year 2020, and you know that feels like a, a year way off in the future, and it's supposed to be really progressive. It's not always. <laughs> um, uh -huh. So yeah, uh, a lot of providers still 
well, even though they've taken a Hippocratic oath to do no harm, they yeah. oftentimes will have, but these, these are still people, right? So oftentimes they still yeah. have bias towards LGBTQ people, especially trans people. Um, so for us in healthcare settings, the discrimination can, can range all the way from, no, we won't treat you here, all the way to people being physically assaulted in, in healthcare settings. Oh, wow. So, is yeah. that even legal? Um, it's not legal um, to be physically assaulted in healthcare settings by providers. <laughs> but yeah, this, obviously. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, this administration um, this past May introduced two federal rules that rolled back Obama-era protections for LGBTQ people in healthcare settings. So similar to like the whole gay wedding cake thing from a few years ago, Yeah. now this administration, what they're doing is they, they want to make it perfectly legal for and protect healthcare providers uh, when they choose... Yeah, when they choose to not treat LGBTQ people. And that's, you know, at the federal level, so that affects all 50 states. And then at the state level, um, every year there's all these anti-LGBTQ health laws proposed um, in, in more than half of the states. So it's a little bit problem. Uh, and, and that's why we're using tech to circumvent all of those barriers to access. Okay. And, and uh, what exactly would the platform do? Because, I mean, uh, you know, in, in a world of problems, there could be opportunities as well. Uh, I mean, mm -hmm. have you guys, uh, or uh, let me ask you this question again, because I don't know. Are there any LGBTQ-friendly providers that people already know about? Or, I mean, because that could be an, an opportunity. Sorry, look, you know, this is uh, putting a label like, you know, sorry, this provider is friendly this doctor is, is friendly. I mean, it's a, if we see it that way, you know, a lot of legislation changes when there's say, money, money involved. You know, that's, you know, it's sadly that that's, that's what it ultimately comes to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the reality that we live in and that's why we're incentivizing providers to become LGBTQ competent. Uh, but there are, like here in New York City, for example, there's, a handful of LGBTQ healthcare clinics, and and usually major cities in this country like San Francisco, Los Angeles, Miami, Chicago, etc., Boston, Philly, they they'll have these LGBTQ health clinics available, but they often um, tend to be at capacity. There's just a real big demand for LGBTQ health spaces, and not enough. Okay. Uh, providers right so and also it's it's concentrated in major metropolitan areas of the country but what are you supposed to do if you're like a trans woman in kansas for example there's yeah. lgbtq people in every single state in this country and a lot of them don't live in big cities uh, no, I, that, that was that was my my next question. I understand. Yeah, mm -hmm. all this sounds like you know, like a lot of things you know are easily available or more readily available in a, in a major metropolitan area. Yeah. Yeah, what happens when you're yeah in the middle of of nowhere, even upstate New York? Do you have to travel all the way to the city? Um, and well, it seems like in a lot of cases, like like many other examples, you do, at least for now. Yeah, absolutely. I've heard I've heard stories of people driving five hours just to go for a regular checkup visit um, to an LGBTQ health clinic somewhere. And that's, you know, those are people that have the access. There are some people in this country that don't have that sort of access. And that's where digital health can step in because you know, it's over the internet. It's over a device like your phone or your, your laptop or your tablet. And that helps increase that access so people can actually get the care that they need. Um, especially with, with us, with this population, because we know the current healthcare system in this country is not really built for us. So we avoid it or we delay visiting healthcare settings, and that produces all sorts of LGBTQ-specific health disparities 
uh, as compared to the general population. And oftentimes when people think of LGBTQ health, they right away go to HIV prevention and treatment, and that is part of the problem. But we're also at higher rates. At, we're, we're, we have a higher risk of getting diabetes, cardiovascular disease, uh, negative mental health implications like anxiety and depression. Uh, there's a whole host of problems that we need to address within LGBTQ health, and that involves regular visits and relationships with providers and preventative health as well. Yeah, and and that's uh, again, it's amazing that you know we call this a, the most industrial nation, and still doesn't can have access to health. Yeah, I mean, just in the regular, without having to put a specific uh, group of people. I mean, it's just, and you you said it right. I mean, we do all that. I mean, I don't think when was the last time I went to a doctor? Uh, I think it's been like two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but yeah, and, and it's because of that. I mean, I do have health insurance. It's like, well, I'm not going to go unless, you know, it's something wrong. And uh, maybe I should, you know, mm-hmm. be, you know, take a more preemptive approach. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and, and now, you know, so you started this company at, obviously because, you know, you wanted to to create a, a solution. So when did you start Queerly Health? How did that, I mean, how easy was it for you to find a, a co-founder? Tell us a little bit about the process when you decided, you know what, fuck it, this is it. I, I, this is my mission. I got to make this happen. So, oh, wow. I always, that question <laughs> always brings me back full circle. Um, so... I've been very fortunate to to grow up in this area, to have the education that I have and the experience that I have. So I had studied at NYU human development and social intervention. Um, so already I was in the mindset of there's things in society that need fixing and I'm being trained to be one of those people that does the fixing. <laughs> and... <laughs> I also did an advanced certification in LGBT health, education, and social services. So my focus has always been on my community and my people. And I just remember for during, during graduate school and then afterwards for years out in the field, and I had worked on um, international HIV prevention studies funded by the NIH and um, an LGBTQ youth program here in New York City as well, funded by uh, city government. And I just always, I kept running into this huge problem that people of LGBTQ experiences have the most difficult time navigating the healthcare system in this country. And 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 it often ended up with people not finding the resources that we needed. And I had the idea for Quirly Health right after I finished graduate school in, in 2015 and it, it was, it started off as like this baby idea of a, not baby, but like a small idea of a sort of Yelp for LGBTQ businesses. Like we know like this is where we can go for these things. And then I had to have like this aha moment where I was that I I think Oprah calls it that an aha moment where I was like, what is it that I really want to do here? Do I want to create an LGBTQ yacht or do I want to democratize access to health and wellness for LGBTQ people? So then that idea had to be cracked open into something way bigger. And that's when the telehealth came in and concierge health and all that. So I sat on that idea, Edgar, for three years. Oh wow. <laughs> I, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I knew I had to first work on myself to become the person that can create this company before I actually took on this huge, because really at the core of it, my team and I have taken on the responsibility of LGBTQ health in this country. And I knew I had to grow myself into a person that could do that, that could take on that responsibility. So I went to coding school online and I started learning as much as I could about digital health and I also worked on myself personally and professionally. I did tons of trainings on on leadership and how to be the type of person that can create change in the world. And yeah. Yeah, one day I was 
coding away and it hit me like a truck. I was like, what if getting ready to one day launch this company, create this company is just secretly disempowering context and I'm just procrastinating. Like the idea was learn how to code, work at a health tech company, then one day launch my own health tech company. And then I was like, I have to do it right now. <laughs> so um, I told my, my business mentor, my, my first business mentor ever um, is actually a Latino woman who used to be my Spanish teacher in high school. And um, okay. so, yeah, so I've known her for 15, 16 years. And she agreed to be my business mentor. And I, I told her that I was just going to throw this idea out there into the universe and just see what happens. And she was like, do it. And that, that was like on a Wednesday. That Friday, there was a Latinx in tech startup weekend happening in about yeah. six or seven cities across the country. And New York City is one of them. That's another thing. Being an entrepreneur in New York City has its advantages. Um, there's such a huge startup community here, um, and so many resources available. Uh, so I've been really fortunate in that as well. Um, so I, I went to the Latinx and tech startup weekend. This was last September and I pitched the idea for Cooley House. It was selected with six others to be built out over the weekend, like the pitch deck and the business model and all this and the team. And that Sunday night I pitched it to, a, a panel of investor judges and it was well received and we won twice first place and crowd favorite and that's what i've been doing <laughs> i just hit the ground running after that that is awesome that is and that you know that's exactly what we do events like that i'm one of the organizers of one of those uh startup week in, in latinx in portland uh this is gonna be our fifth year And, you know, two years ago, we incorporated a pitch Latino to do like a prelude, which actually, like I was mentioning to everybody that's listening, Derek mm -hmm. came from New York on his own time to Portland in, uh, in March mm -hmm. and won. So yeah. that was pretty awesome. You know, it was the, the first yeah. time we had people coming from, you know, you came from New York. There was a couple of pitches from outside, one in L.A., I uh, can't remember, uh, one from Seattle. So I was like, wow, yeah. you know, we, we're mostly doing something right because we, we, that's what we want to do, put resources together so yeah. we can get to practice, we can meet, meet, meet mentors, meet people that can get us ahead mm -hmm. uh, and, and build that ecosystem, inclusive ecosystem where we can yeah. actually inspire each other and actually get it done. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and we want to see you succeed. What was that? I'm sorry because we want to see you succeed, but also bring accountability because that's, you know, the two things that we want to do all of us in the startup you know, community, be held accountable. So we're not procrastinating and just like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Maybe. And, you know, you have the support of our community. Yeah, absolutely. And that's like, that's something that I just value so much. Um, the community, the startup community in general, but In Portland, I just met so many people when I was there. And that was my second time um, in Portland. The first time was like for a few hours overnight when I was visiting Seattle and one of my friends was DJing um, one night in Portland. So we, we drove down um, and I really got to experience Portland and the city. And I just love, love, love the Pacific Northwest so much. <laughs> and and it's, pretty, it's pretty good. Yeah, um, all the greenery, all the people, very progressive city, and all the resources that are available there for startups is just amazing. And I was so I was so happy to be so well received um, uh, because I'm from a different city and from a different coast. Um, so really, the the community in Portland, I'm just forever gonna have a special place in my heart. Uh, and that's it. <laughs> I mean, anytime you want to, you, you, you know, you have the doors open, whatever you need, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll extend our hand and all the resources for, for people like him. And it's, it's truly inspiring. Um, but, you know, give me, we're, we're going to make a little pause right now to pay our bills. Uh, and along, uh, can, can you help us out with that in, in the cabin? We'll be right back after 20 seconds. Today's episode of the Latino Founder Hours brought to you by Publicize. 
a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize has broken down PR into a modular setup, keeping quality high and simply charging fees for the targeted PR you require. Check them out at publicize.co and tell them Claudia and Edgar sent you. CPA dudes where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. All right, and we're back with, with Third Radio founder Queerly Health. And we're talking about, you know, you know starting the, the, the company going you know going out to this start a week in, in latinx events so after that you know what, what happened after that event derek uh do you, you know you come out with an award maybe with a little bit of money uh what you know what was the next step you know in, in forming the uh the company putting it formally out in the open so after the winning the latinx and tech startup weekend the new york branch um we were flown out to Oakland for the Latinx in Tech um, Summit. And that was the first one that the Caper Center had uh, put on, the Caper Center and their partners. Um, and then this year, it's coming up again in September, this time in San Francisco. So it, I think the website is ltxfest.com. Um, so yeah, all the... Latinx people out there in tech or, or who are interested in tech. It's such a fantastic summit. I met so many fantastic people there uh, who've been so supportive of me and Quilly House. Um, so yeah, that's where you can sign up to register for the next one. And when I came back to New York, um, I, we had gotten a co-working space for about three months in a, a tech hub. And I just, threw myself into learning as much as I could about startup world and being a founder. And because, you know, my, my background wasn't in business or, or anything like that. And I, I really wanted to be the best founder that I could be. So I started going to all these mentor hours and um, meetings with people and just learning as much as I could um, and, and building up my, my network of supportive people for Quilly House who are experts in their fields. Um, I, we built out an advisory board and I, um, I brought on a CTO and I brought on a COO that I've known like my whole life since the first grade. And I, I kept wondering like, how was I going to bring her on board? She was working for a big company at the time. And I was like, She's perfect. Like, how can I do this? And then she just sort of came to me. So I've been really, really lucky with my founders. Yeah. Um, they both kind of just came to me and that was really fantastic. Um, and at the start of, of this year, I did founder gem and I did their, it's a, it's a about six week long or 10 week long virtual, um, uh, founder accelerator, accelerator basically. And they did their first all black cohort. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that community has been, has, and that training has just been so amazing and, and training me up to raise capital and uh, the ins and outs of running a startup and a team and the network, the, the support that I've gotten from that has just been monumental. And After that, I did, what did I, I did South by Southwest. <laughs> That's and right. I wanted to ask you about that. So, you know, you did, you did it this year, didn't you? Yes, I did it this past spring. They contacted me um, and they, they asked if I would come down and present Quirly Health because this year's theme was all at their Energizing.Health conference. It was all about health justice and health equity. Um, so yeah, I, I, in a couple of weeks, just like put everything together that I needed to put together, including, um, crowdfunding my, my plane ticket down there and sleeping on a friend's, a friend of a friend's couch. And I just made it happen. We made it happen. And I went down to Austin, Texas and, uh, attended South by Southwest and got to present there, which was such a cool experience. Um, 
met some really fantastic people there. Um, yeah, and then I did Pixel That's Pino. awesome. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. You were in a role. I mean, you you know, all over the place. Uh, and, and, and and it's fantastic to get that momentum. So so where are you right now? Uh, and what uh, what stage are you with Query Hell? So right now we're we're interviewing existing LGBTQ health clinics around the country uh, on both coasts, uh, just to see what the pain points are uh, in all these clinics. And because a lot of these clinics, they they may be interested in in digital health, but don't have the means to build them out. And I think, I know the future of healthcare is digital health. And if all of these yeah. clinics are to be viable into the future, I wanna make sure that they have those digital health tools that they need. So right now we're going pretty hard into speaking with existing LGBTQ health clinics to, to inform our build out. And we're looking to have our MVP one ready by the beginning of next year in 2020. And, okay. and yeah, and I was um, on, on a panel recently, um, also Latinx related because the, the Latino Startup Alliance opened up a chapter here in New York City and had uh, their first event last week at Uber's headquarters. And I was there um, on the panel and after the panel, we had our first two uh, very preliminary interested people from enterprises, big tech companies that were interested in, in adding Quirly Health onto possibly their benefits packages So for their employees. Because something like this can really attract uh, LGBTQ talent to uh, companies and also retain LGBTQ talent because we 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 talk a lot about making sure that tech especially is a space where all types of people can enter and work and flourish. Uh, so we want to make sure that all types of people are supported in that. Um, so yeah, it's and we also just got into an accelerator and we start next month uh, for three months here in New York City. So uh, yeah, we're just. All this happened in like 10 months and it's just been such a fantastic ride. And I really feel like everything just, I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing, which is fantastic. That's awesome. I mean, I'm super happy. And, and, and again, you know, it's, uh, it's the start of a journey. And well, mm -hmm. I just wanted to ask you follow up the question. Like, I, I mean, I know you guys have, you know, won some awards, but have you raised capital or how, how you guys are funding you know, the, 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 the beginnings of Queerly Health? So, so far, it's been me and my two co-founders um, who have been bootstrapping this whole process ourselves, um, especially because we see a window of opportunity there where we might be able to do this without any outside funding. Um, so okay. that's, like, yeah, that's like priority number one is to create something that we don't really need outside funding for. And then the second step is making sure that we have a pool of interested parties that uh, have capital that would be willing to leverage not just their capital, but their, their time expertise, network, privilege, and power to see Queerly Health coming to fruition. Because this, I'm very, very protective of the LGBTQ community. And I want to make sure whoever we partner up with, um, especially for funding, is totally on board um, for the vision of Queerly Health and and seeing it come alive. So there we have we have like a friends of Queerly Health list of a lot of people who've been helping us out, um, and we continue to take meetings with venture capital firms and angel investors. And when the time is ready. We want to do a crowdfunding campaign first, probably at the end of, of this year, and then open up for like an angel round, pre-scene round sometime um, at the beginning of 2020, um, if we need to do that. So we'll have a pool of people that we know who to go to. 
Okay, no, that that that's that's important because yeah, you you know, I know you want to make the business um, self-sustaining, mm-hmm. and probably with the least amount of friction. But yeah. know, to get it launched, it probably will require some some needed capital just to get it uh, mm-hmm. up in the air, huh? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and also, it's like the the expertise that people bring, um, and yeah. and the lessons that they bring as well. So. Yeah, we're we're definitely looking for smart money, not just money for money's sake. <laughs> no, and that I can, I can I mean one of the few things that we've you know done you know raising capital for Clicka is that we we've actually passed on, on a couple of opportunities for funding because it it wasn't the right fit. And mm-hmm. we actually had to say no to a, a check that we definitely needed at that time. And, yeah. But you know it, it it ended up both times it ended up being the right decision i mean it, you know, people say well your gut it's more than the gut it's like if you do also your due diligence it's like look it, it's values it's you know it's you know we have a it, we have a criteria like well yeah. if you don't fit within our mold even i mean i'm telling you we definitely at that time we needed the money and we we had to pass i mean it hurt a lot but I mean, we're still here. That was like two and a half years ago. And, yeah. You know, thanks. You know, march on. You'll find the right people, and the people that we found that an exception. Yeah. Like you said, it was an only money. Uh, I, I was able to bring mentors. You know, they've opened other doors. They brought in some other yeah. capital. So it's been exactly. exactly that what you want. You know, people that are going to be behind you, not just to make a buck, but to make exactly. a difference on what you're doing. Exactly, because Queerly Health is just as much a social intervention as it is social entrepreneurship, right? So we definitely want to make sure that people are enrolled into the bigger vision of Queerly Health. Um, And also, as, as I've done Founder Gym and I've learned so much about the venture capital landscape, um, and then finding out that only two to three percent of venture capital money goes to women-founded uh, companies, and then only a fraction of that goes to women of color. And I just I added another layer of intention around this, which is we really we really want to focus on VC firms and and investors who very intentionally intentionally invest in underrepresented founders, so women, people of color, especially black yeah. people, and LGBTQ people. So that's something that in my conversations with some of these firms and investors is, you know, when they're when they're asking me about like break-even points and, and runways, I'm like, okay, so how many women are on your team? <laughs> and how many LGBTQ people have you funded? And how many people of color have you funded? Because I want to make sure that when Queerly Health starts returning on its investments that we're very responsible and intentional about where that is going to go. And you know what, that's something that we can help you with too, because here in the podcast, we've interviewed several of those types of VCs, people that are, you know, obviously Latino or folks. Yeah. All of them have been Latinos. Like, look, we want to focus on, on people like, you know, Kid Poor Capital, you know, uh, we want to do underrepresented, underrepresented uh, founders that are, you know, regardless, are going to be successful. I mean, it's just not throwing money just because you're, you know, you're underrepresented, but you bring a, a viable product uh, and it's something that can change and transform lives. Yeah. Yeah. It's really about, in addition to the the social impact that Quilly Health is, is having, it's also the the social and business impact that we're having for other underrepresented founders, other people who may who may not see themselves doing this type of thing traditionally, yeah. but now because people like myself and other and, and like yourself and other founders are doing it, they see themselves in it. Like there's this saying that you cannot be what you don't see. And I'm very much like I used to be a very private person before I started this company and now I'm like fine I will I will be the face of this company um it was part of the trainings that I did and really I'm just so glad to be able to bring 
some representation of LGBTQ people of color, especially, you know, those of us who don't subscribe to the gender binary, bringing that representation okay. in this, this space is so important. Uh, no, absolutely, and and I and I say you know the way I mean it, it was an empty word, Derek. You 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 saw it because um, you really brought inspiration uh, uh, in my personal life because I you know my my daughter, my elf, my youngest one was helping at that event, and mm-hmm. she was mesmerized, and she was so happy that that you won because just that day I remember um, it was on I think it was on a Wednesday. I just picked her up from school and we were on our way to the event. To the Pix Latino, mm-hmm. and she had just, um, they had just, at her school, they had just had an author, can't remember the name, that came in and, and it was, you know, it, it was non binary. It, 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 mm-hmm. And she was explaining me that day, you know, what they mean. It's like, oh, uh, this, you know, whatever the name is, I can't remember yeah. what the author is, it goes by day. And I was just like, what? Yeah. And, you know, it was just like, wow. And I was just asking her the question, saying, like, do do how, 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 how does that work? I mean, it's, yeah. you know, for, uh, you know, I'm I'm an older guy, so it, it was, and she was so into it. She was very enthusiastic about the about the book, and then she got to meet you. You did a phenomenal job. I mean, she was, you know, uh, she really liked you know all the product, all all yeah. the companies that pitch. But you, it's like, oh my gosh! And when I told her, like, guess who I'm interviewing today? She's like, oh my gosh! I wish you could have another <laughs> cabin and I could be there. Like, oh, I say hi. So. Yeah, you know, to, for you to inspire uh, such a young woman uh, yeah. at, at, at a young age that come out and say, like, you know what, Derek is doing a fantastic job. I don't know, maybe in 10 years she's founded a company. I don't know what she wants to do. But, you know, yeah. she, at an early age, already making mark. That's all I wanted to say. There were not empty words. You, you, yeah. you already started. Thank but you. Anyway, so, Thank you. I appreciate so, that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's it's truly it's amazing, you know what you what you guys are doing. But uh, now, in, in the terms of the platforms, can you explain me a little bit? Your, or I mean, if, I know you're still working on the MVP, but can you give us a preview of what mm-hmm. your vision is? I mean, how would you go on about solving the problem? Whatever you want to share, that it's non-proprietary or you know, it's an open forum. Mm-hmm. So the vision is that one day all healthcare settings will be LGBTQ inclusive. So what we're doing is we're creating a vetting and training system for providers so that we know that they're, they're, they're up to the task of, of, tra- of providing health and wellness services to uh, LGBTQ patients and clients. Um, so, so in addition to that, there's also the marketplace that we're building, uh, and that is, will be very, very easily accessible, uh, feature where you would be able to look up providers in your area or by name or by specialty, et cetera, um, that will really sort of identify who you can go to and who you can't. So a lot of times with us in the community, there's a lot of guesswork involved when it's time when someone does go to see a new provider. And there's a lot of I've seen I've had people ask me like, who do you go to see for this? I've asked other people, who do you see for this? Um, there's a lot of word of mouth, a lot of um, sort of community built behind just getting the health and wellness services that we need. And I've even seen online on on Facebook groups and things like that, people posting to complete strangers, like, I need this, where do I go for this, et cetera, et cetera. So really, like, the goal is to empower LGBTQ people to take back their health and wellness experience. It's not just a, this is what you get and you like it. It's not just a, there's nothing here for you. It's a, here's where to get what you need on your terms. Okay. Now, this is a platform only for the U.S., uh, you know, in the beginning. Do you envision this to being something global changing or? Yeah. So, yeah, that's something that we've had interest from other global markets, and we we really want to get it right here first in the United States, and then 
every even here in the U.S., the landscapes are very different when it comes to LGBTQ health. New York City, the Bay Area, you know, they, they have it. But if you go to somewhere like Texas, it's a whole different story. Um, if you go to the South in general, it's a very different story. Yeah, yeah. so we want to make sure that we make this a platform that can, it's not just a one size fits all, but we're meeting the needs of everybody. So eventually, yeah, we do, we do see ourselves expanding into global markets where it's safe to do so, right? Because, you know, you can't, there's parts of the world where LGBTQ people are not allowed to exist in self-expression. They'll be picked up by the police. They'll be completely erased. They'll be murdered often. And it's something that I want to make sure that we do intentionally and carefully and that we provide it to people in areas of the world where they need it most, but it doesn't, you know, um, in the safe environment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, no, but but also in terms of, uh, I mean, I'm sure there's better markets too for LGBTQ, maybe in Europe, you know, you know, countries that are more accepting. Are there ways, are there things that we can learn from those markets that can be incorporated here into your platform? Absolutely. So I studied abroad in, in graduate school in England, um, and in the UK they have socialized medicine, and they've they've had socialized medicine ever since the end of World War II, and it works. It works there, and I cannot advocate enough for socialized medicine because it literally means everyone has access to healthcare. And I studied HIV prevention and counseling there uh, in England, and the it's just a whole different world because everyone has access. Like, they're, they're able to get so many people tested and then of those people who test positive, get them back in to, to start treatment. And on those people who start treatment, get them virally suppressed. It's just, the data is just, it astounded me the stark contrast between what they were able to do in England um, when it comes to HIV prevention and treatment to what is accessible here in the United States. And I really think it's because um, everyone has access, including me, who, when I was there, you know, I didn't, I'm not from England. And day one, when I got there, I had never paid taxes in England. And day one, when I yeah. got there, I had access to the healthcare system. So, yeah, that's something no, that, yeah, we, um, I think we need in this country uh, at least one public option where where people have the ability to be covered. Like you shouldn't have to go bankrupt because you got cancer. Yeah, and you need a chemo. Like that's that's outrageous. And in the richest country in the world, that's a problem that we have here. Yeah, that's yeah. And and, and again, you're coming from abroad too, and having lived abroad is the same. Yeah, we, we we've seen that, and it's almost unbelievable for the people that don't live in the state that yeah. that actually happens. But listen, we're um, wrapping up the show. Uh, what can we do for Derek uh, in this stage? What else can we do? I mean, I know and I, I have a couple of ideas, some contacts, uh, people like, I, and I encourage you to keep talking to Kat Perez, a race, you know, a good amount of money through VCs, and she's doing phenomenal. But I got other contacts uh, that I'm, on a, I'm already writing down. What else can yeah. we do for you, Derek? So I think in addition to connecting us to channels for NVCs for capital raising, that's fantastic. And for what you can do for me is check in with the LGBTQ people in your lives. Like really, really check in with them and make sure that they're supported and make sure that they feel like they belong and that they're wanted. And it is just so vital, so crucial that we feel like we're members of society just like everybody else. And that's not something that's specific to LGBTQ people, that's specific to human beings in general. And especially yeah. now in these super divisive times where um, rights and protections for LGBTQ people are being rolled back, um, 
I really want to make sure that people are having these conversations with the LGBTQ people in their lives um, to make sure that they're supported. And also when, when homophobic things come up and transphobic things come up, be the voices that challenge that and create space, safer spaces for LGBTQ people. Don't stay silent. I like that. Yeah, don't be complicit in, with your silence. I like that, yeah. that message. Yeah. Well, yeah. Derek, where, where can we find you? Where can people find you and, and be supportive and you know, learn more about you, your, your fight, and, and Queerly Held? Sure. So our website is www.queerly.health, and Queerly is spelled Q-U-E-E-R-L-Y. And you can also find us on social media at Queerly Health. And you can find me on social media at Queerly Derek. And that's D-E-R-R-I-C-K. It's been fantastic, Derek. Uh, well, the show's, uh, it, we're wrapping up the show, but we would love to have you, you know, maybe in, in a few more months to tell, you know, what you, what you've been doing, you know, how, you know, tell us about successes. We also celebrate failures. And the best of luck for, for you, for your team. And, and again, you know, we'll be in touch, uh, you know, it, it, pretty soon. We'll still in contact just so, yeah. so we can give you more, uh, more contacts and, and put you in, in front of the right people. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And thank you for this open and thoughtful and intentional conversation. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you to uh, Derek Reyes, founder of Queerly Health, and our amazing uh, sound engineer, Alonso Soleil. I'm Edgar Navas from Clica. Uh, till next Friday, back in Portland. Thank you, guys. Happy Friday. Today's episode of the Latino Founder Hour is brought to you by CPA Dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. You've been listening to the Latino Founder Hour podcast. El programa Latino Founder Hour es grabado en las instalaciones de NetSpace en el estudio Bigfoot Podcast en la hermosa ciudad de Portland. Our audio engineer, mixer, and podcast editor is Alain Beausoleil. Diseñador de logo, Carolyn Main. Our network logo was designed by Jessica Chan. Diseñador de sitio web, Cameron Grimes. Our production assistant is Chelsea Lancaster. Tema de música, Funning and Sunning, de Kevin McLeod. Cree en ti mismo, sueña en grande y confía en el universo, de Marta Leticia y Silvia Romero. 